Welcome to the Gear Garage Live Show. This weekly YouTube show covers whitewater rafting, river safety, oh God, I lost my paddle. gear, and anything else Zach feels like rambling on about. Happy holidays and welcome to the Tuesday Q&A Live Show. This is where I answer questions about... I'm going to turn off the heater right quick. Sorry about that. Uh, this is where I answer questions that I received during the week. I've received one question, but also just talk about things that come up during the week, uh, things I want to talk about, things I want to share. This is intended as a video podcast. So if you're listening to this as an audio podcast, a lot of the stuff might be not really relevant, or you might not understand it. Just because It's relevant, but you may not understand what we're talking about because it is video-related. Uh, but I'll do my best to read the questions out so those of you listening at least get something out of the show. But it's meant to be on YouTube, but we also stream it on Facebook, the Whitewater Guidebook, a Facebook page that we have. And now X has streaming, or Twitter, formerly Twitter, now X. And my personal account now streams it on Twitter. We'll see if that how that works. So welcome to the show, everybody. If you have questions as we go, just throw them up there in the comments. I see there's already, I think, a couple of comments or questions ready to go. And first thing I just want to talk about stuff that I'm interested in right now and uh, things that have come up recently as I go through people's equipment. And the first is in the rescue kit, I'm going to recommend that you have your poldies, your carabiners, and your prussics as one grouping like this. I see in a lot of repair kits that all the carabiners are together, all the prussics are together, and all the pulleys are together. Well, generally, when something has to get done, these three things come together. Not always. Sometimes you don't need all three of them, but generally you do. So I usually bring three of these things with me in a safety kit. I'll say, hey, here's this stuff. Go do this thing. Here's this stuff. Go do this thing. So I'm a big fan of grouping it like this, and I personally – We'll put three of these setups in a safety kit along with just some extra carabiners. Um, there's different ways you can follow the four, three, two, one, which is four carabiners, three pulleys, two prussics, uh, a throw bag, and a flip line and anchors. But I'm going to just go three of these if I have the room for it. And then just some more carabiners. Carabiners go quick. So that's the first thing. I've also gone through some repair kits lately and just want to be really clear when you buy your boat and you get a repair kit. This is meant as part of a repair kit for you to do repair at home. And air sends you this kit and some people just, they buy the boat and this kit just comes with them down the river. And if you look inside here, I'm not going to open this up because there's glue in here. There's material data safety sheets in this one. There's a big thing of glue that expires after a year. So the glue is only really good for a year. Uh, there's like a brush. There's no scissors to cut. There's fabric. There's no scissors to cut the fabric. Uh, and there's a there's a pressure valve in here too. So I would say, if, especially if you get a wing, I would and I wouldn't even bring myself repair material down the river. I would just bring Terry, right? So if you're bringing this with you, you can pare this down a lot. I see a lot of people with like these, just this, and it's inadequate. Uh, as a kit and all of your kits don't have scissors. And so if you are in the field and you need to cut your repair material, you don't even have scissors or some other basic things you might need. So it's worth going through your repair kit. The air repair kit has all kinds of stuff like fabric and things for repair at home. And so if you have an air, all you really need in the field, in my opinion, are the needle and thread, 
for sewing up the outside and Terry for the inside. And all what I'll do is I I've I've made my own little air repair kit like this where I have I did bring the a couple extra little things at space, but this is basically the needle and thread. The needle is protected when it's new, but it has a little tip for the, if you can see that little tip, this little black thing for the needle. But if you're in the field and you're in a rush, you could lose this black thing. And then you have a needle that could, you know, pop something like your bag or your boat. So I'm a big fan of this. And I like to have a couple of needles because I've broken these needles before in the field. And so for me, if I'm running in air, I throw this in my kit. This is basically needle and thread and a couple of random things. And then Terraid. But the thing about Terraid, if you bring it like this over time, it's going to start getting crushed. And inside the Terraid might get crushed a little bit and be not as useful. And so I would take it out of this. And there's a certain M&M uh, container you can buy. I bought a bunch of these. I only have a couple left from Uline. And I cut them all down, made special things. I put my Terraid in these. This is what it looks like. So I just take it out of here. This is a box. It doesn't protect it very well. It wasn't meant. This is for shipping. This is for packaging. This isn't what I would bring. It takes a lot of space. You can take it out of this and put it in some sort of cylindrical container like that. And uh, I think that's a smart idea. There, again, there's a certain thing. It's peanut M&M container that fits Terry perfectly. So go buy some M&Ms, get the container, and then you're going to want to put them in there. So I see Rocky Mountain Whitewater. You can buy these on Uline. We can let's go shopping really quick. Let me pull up a, a browser here. And this is just me. I had to buy like 50 of them at a time. They don't just sell one. So I'm not sure everybody's gonna get these. Uline's where you get like boxes and and uh uh what else? Let's see, let's open this up. One tab. You know, it's where I, you can get buckets. It's a great place to buy buckets. Um, boxes for shipping, packaging materials, and I would—I just think I Google looked up cylinder. Let's let's see what this is—a cylindrical squeezable bottle. That's not going to work. These are pretty useful for camp, though. Um, shipping sil cylinder, not clinder. Oh, here we go. Get into tubes. Oh, plastic tubes. Oh, here we go. Clear tubes. These things right here, you can order, it looks like it by 25 at a time. You can order different sizes. I know you guys don't want to order 25 at a time. I had 50 of them. They've slowly gone off to different kits and people. I don't have any left. Um, so you may have to buy, maybe it'll let you buy like five at a time. I don't know. You can try it. The shipping's probably going to be insane. But there's different sizes. This, the ones I bought came this big. I cut them down this big for Terraid. They didn't have the exact same size. So, you know, I'm an outfitting business. I, I use these in all my trips. So I have these. I bought a bunch of them, and I have them in a bunch of my repair kits all over the place. I, I need to buy $25.50. But that peanut butter M&M, I think it's a peanut butter M&M container, also works really well. So hopefully that answers that question. But I would get it out of this. I, I mean, this is better than nothing, but it just takes up a lot of space in your stuff, and it's not that protective. And I've, I've gone through people's repair kits before, and found this three or four years later, and the Terraid inside is just trashed. It's like kind of usable. Uh, this is something, Terraid is something you really want to protect. So with the air, again, the air repair kit, 
this wasn't meant to be your in the field repair kit. This is your repair stuff in a bag. And it's mostly all here. But you need to think through things that you might also need to do a repair. So those are some quick thoughts. Take a moment before the boating season starts. Go through your repair kit. If you need to replace glue, do that. Make sure you have all the things you might need, like little stirring sticks to stir glue, scissors, or a classic one. Um I'm not sure what else, but as you go through and take things out, you don't need to bring this big bag with you everywhere, right? There's a bunch of stuff in here that's useless. The, the material data safety sheets take up a lot of space in this bag. You might want that to start a fire in the woods, but there's more effective things for a fire. So those are my thoughts on just packing for like safety and repair. And let's get to our question for the day. And this is uh, the new watershed bags also offer a military camo fabric with an upcharge. Can you review that? I don't have the, the new military camo fabric, but let's look up the watershed bags. I have the old military fabrics. I don't know if they're the same. Um, I don't know. Let's see if I can find this. The new. So if we go to outdoor, go to duffel. First of all, uh, this came up last week. The new duffel, the new fabric is awesome. So I can just tell by looking at this, this purple here, uh, right here, this is the old fabric. It's it's thin. It's good, but it's not great. Historically, watershed bags from the 90s are awesome. I'm still using mine from the 90s. If you bought, they started making it in what they said was the same fabric at the time, but everybody uses them on a database as new. It wasn't as good as the old fabric and recently upgraded to this new fabric, this darker purple that this fabric is just awesome. I used a bag on a trip this year. I loved it. I'm super jazzed on it. It's you can tell it's thicker and it's going to last a lot. lot, lot uh, it's going to last a lot longer. It's just, it's grippy too. It has a nice feel to it. The old bags were a little slippery, which is fine. But if you're passing somebody a bag, you want it a little bit grippy. So I'm pretty jazzed on the new, new bags and let's see if there's an option here for let's see add to cart oh let's choose a color uh, does it have oh choose an option yes oh an inflate purge valve i personally by the way wouldn't get their inflate purge valves uh, i don't i think it's cool for some applications but for a white water i don't think it's a big deal i don't see this oh here we go multi-cam is a trademarked military grade fabric and has a 25 percent charge i think multi-cam okay so in this case multi you're just paying more for like a trademark image it, it looks different i don't think they upgraded their military fabric the same way and i've been when i buy watershed bags there's a there's a purge valve right there when i've been buying watershed bags over the past like 15 years i've only been buying the military fabrics which mean which means multi-cam, this gray or black. And I have a bunch of black dry bags because I don't like that thinner material that wears out. I want the thicker bomber material. I personally like things that last a long time. Having used a lot of the military, so I think I'm answering the question now. Having used a lot of the military grade fabric and trying out this new fabric, I think I like the new fabric more. So and this is just over a small sample size. I only used it for, you know, a few weeks and 
Um, I gave it to I gave it to somebody. I, I have a friend I was pathing with loves the color purple, love the bag. I was like, it's yours, take it. So I gave it away. Um, so I don't have any more. I'm gonna get another, get another one. I think this new fabric is maybe superior to what they call the military grade fabric, and that's again not knowing all the details. That's how jazz I am on this new fabric. So hopefully I answered that question. You can distinguish the bags of the new fabric because watershed is printed between the straps. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's right. Yep, because this one doesn't have it, and then this one doesn't have it. Those are the old fabrics, and I can tell it has that like rip stop rip stop stuff there, which makes it kind of strong. But the new ones have that watershed stamped right there. And I saw when somebody ordered one, uh, I saw a green one the other day. Um, Somebody had bought one through Outdoor Play, uh, and I thought, I think that's a brand new bag. And I thought it was because I saw the, I thought the same thing. The watershed was stamped in between. It looks sharp. I mean, these new bags look sharp. I've been like mildly bummed on watershed bags for like 15 years. Like they're, they're the best water waterproof bag for the price because they're actually keep this stuff waterproof. I've just been bummed on the durability. I'm super jazzed now. I mean, this, this, these are sweet bags. Okay. Thanks for adding that comment, Mike. Okay. So let's get to Sean in your video of climax of 5.2 feet. The right door looks funky, but left and middle have guard rocks and other issues. What was the, was the right shoot the cleanest at that flow for a raft? Okay. Let's find this video. Let's, how do we get to this video? It's going to take me a minute to get here. I'll get to Howard's questions while I mess around looking for this. Howard, shouldn't you be kayaking today, by the way? Um, yeah, I, I actually used that purple one, that small one, for a multi-day kayak trip in September. And I I mean, every I did a trip. Everybody on the trip had only watershed bags. So there was four of us kayaking on this multi-day. Every single bag for multi-day was a watershed. And if I'm going to go on a day trip and like keep safety stuff in a bag, I'm going to go watershed. Like that's just the way to go. So to answer your question, yes. And Howard, I think you should get one uh, for yourself to put like your repair stuff, your first aid kit in there, your, 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 um, I don't know, did Connor give you one of these things with like a lighter and emergency blanket? You can put that in there. So you can put um, your keys, Howard, in your phone so you don't leave them put in. Not, not that you do leave your keys in your phone to put in all the time but when you do man if you had that watershed bag you'd be set okay let's i found this video that sean's asking about well i'm back to this one let's see share screen so this is um some drone footage i took at uh climax and we'll watch this for those those of you that don't know climax is a rapid on the wind river which it's for rowing is amazing. It's really fun to row the wind. Class four, class four plus. Howard, you might even be in that shot. So that's the right line. And that the person rowing now is Cody, who has the the YouTube channel Private Whitewater. Shout out to Cody. This is Nick. Oh, that boat. He's in the firecracker. The Piranha Firecracker is a sweet boat. I paddled that boat a couple days ago. That's the center line. That's he took the most common line. Like I think the center line is the go-to line. This is Connor number two, 
taking an outburst down the left line. I think the left is the most challenging line. And is this how there you are, Howard? Howard and his Narvana taking the classic center line. So let's go back and answer your question. The right door looks funky. So the one he's going to, but left and middle have guard rocks and other issues. Yep. The cleanest is down the middle. Yep. I think uh, it's just fun to change things up. And I think Cody, you know, was just trying to change things up. So that middle shoot is the most straightforward, cleanest thing. The right side is just a little tricky in the entrance. And there are some rocks down here that at lower flows you might bump a tube into. So I think this is you have to and you, you have to line it up like with the center shoot. That's a nice like whatever ten foot wide shoot. This left line is like five feet ish wide, and so it's a little tighter setup, but pretty straightforward when you go through it. And then the center line that Nick's going to take. And Nick's, I mean, this little firecracker is a tiny little playboat. It looks like a normal half slice, but it's that's a large and it's pretty low volume. So he's going conservative. This is the center line, pretty straightforward. And again, this left line, I think, is the hardest. There's kind of a rock here that is covered up right now that causes problems. And you'll hit this hole right here, which if you're not anticipating what it's going to do to you, could spin you around and you could theoretically like flip off of this rock. You get sent into this hole. Like there's stuff that can go wrong down here. So you want to be really careful. So I uh, answer your question. The right door looks funky. Sure. Middle, the middle doesn't really have a guard rock. Actually, there's a hole up here. You kind of slowly power through in a raft or go around, but there's no guard rock on the left. I'm sorry, in the center and the, but the left has a guard rock. Yep. Good eye, Sean. Okay. Well, that's the end of questions. Before we go, I did add some video from a different day on the wind and thought we would... The topic... Roach is just like taking different lines. And I think uh, I just shared on my personal Facebook page a, a, I should actually bring it up. There's a really good article on, under, it's called Style. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, there's a really well written article by Lewis Gelman that he titled just Style. And let's see if I can find it. Oh, yeah, Site Z. It's on the Site Z website. Let me bring it up really quick. And it's from 2012. And I remember reading it um, back then. And I remember at the time, a lot of people were just rat doing kind of hardcore stuff, but having pretty bad lines and just continuing to, to run the same river over and over or push it harder, thinking that if they survived a run at a certain level, they ready to move back up. And uh, I, I wasn't super jazzed on that. And I think one thing that really stands out for me is just the, the first sentence uh, that says, for participants in a sport where peeling out at the top of a rapid almost inevitably results in arriving at the bottom, kayakers 
seem surprisingly indifferent to matters of style. And I think that's the case. Usually when you start a rapid, you're going to finish it. Like you, you're just like, you're going to go in, you're going to be at the bottom. Whether it went well or not is irrelevant. And what happens is just because you survived it doesn't mean you styled it. You got down. And if you have a bad line, uh, I think, you know, you can have bad lines here and there, but we should be rethinking, should I be there to begin with if I'm not having a good line? And we should be really styling our lines. And before we move up to a more difficult river or something similarly difficult but new, we should be having good, solid lines. And in general, I feel like we, sh we should have good lines in all of our boating. A bad line means you made a mistake, and Whitewater is surprisingly forgiving to where we can make mistakes but come out the bottom. You know, like, oops, I ran that upside down, and it's, you laugh it off. And I think people use the term beaters, like somebody's a beater who does that. It shouldn't be something you're proud of. Like, I was a beater today. Like, I had bad lines. I sh maybe shouldn't have been there. I'm not ready for that. Either it's my ability, my physical fitness, my mental state, whatever it is. And this is a really good article about maybe rethinking how we look at our boating. And I, I'm a firm believer in like we should be when we're at when we're challenging ourselves, styling our lines. When we're not challenging ourselves, this is a chance to practice, to make mistakes, hopefully in a controlled environment. So for me, if I'm going to go do the wind, the wind to me is a pretty straightforward run because I've done it so many times. And if I'm going to go do the wind, if I'm leading people down the river and I'm showing or I'm lead boat, I have responsibilities for people's safety who are like kind of on the edge of running the river. It's, it's my job to run good, clean lines, show them clean lines and make sure that I am being responsible and I'm there at the bottom of the rapid to help them out. And so on a day on the wind or something like that, where, where I, where I'm surrounded by people that are new, I'm going to be very careful when I have a, crew around me and everybody's competent that allows me to go push my limits let me do it take a very comfortable run and go take new lines try new things bounce off rocks get caught get stuck and in that case my friends who are equivalently able can help me if i make a mistake and so it allows me to push my limits in a comfortable environment so uh, i just i want to share this video this is me doing that um, this is balls to the wall right the line is where that kayaker is, you saw it, to the right. But sometimes I'll, I'll raft over here. And in an oar boat, I usually go center. But there's a really funky left line here. So the, I, it's really tricky to get a raft down. And I could have easily messed this up today. Luckily, I made it. But this is me. There's kayakers downstream. Uh, nobody's depending on me for safety. Why don't I try the left line of balls to the wall? It's just tricky getting over there. It takes some, some tough arm management. And I feel like we should be practice once we restyle our, our practice run. The wind to me is like my, my where I practice, where I go get my laps and where I get warmed up, you know, for the season. Um, and there's Cody taking the traditional center line. And then at the bottom, I'm gonna try to surf this poor boat. And so on a river I'm very comfortable in. With the right safety, I feel like this is a chance to go practice. You know, and Cody's taking a nice line that's it's a beautifully fun line. And going for a little surf.
And then same thing downstream. That that was balls to the wall. Right. This is balls to the wall. Let's see. I put myself in the go back for just a second. You know, I'm gonna if I see a rock or something, I'm gonna put myself up on it. Just 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 get used to hitting rocks. There's a rock right there. I'm like, oh, there's a rock. And so at this point, I'm gonna purposefully put myself up there. So I'm used to hitting rocks, comfortable in the sea, I can or manage, and hand it. And then there's a little circle there. I thought I could circle, but I couldn't. And this is balls to the wall left, the next wrap. You saw Cody in front of me. He's taking the left line right now. There's this really tricky, narrow right line that just for practice I take when I go through this wrap. It's, you know, it's tough. It requires a double ship. Can't use your oars in there. And it's kind of shallow to get back to the middle. So I just want to urge people, first of all, like, uh, let's, and this is just me on the soapbox. And if you think, you know, who are you to tell me this? Like, cool, that's great. But in my opinion, when we're out there boating, we should be uh, in control. We should be styling our lines. We should be, and if we're not, we need to be aspiring to styling our lines. Like, we have no business stepping it up to another run or leading others down. If you're, if you want to show other people the run, you can't be having crappy lines. That's not responsible. You need to be style, you need to be showing them the style lines. And you're, if you're their safety, you need to be styling it so you're at the bottom ready for some sort of rescue. And so, uh, you know, when you're learning, some mistakes can happen. You can have some, you know, bad lines here or there. But we should be really styling our lines and getting practice on those runs. So when we step it up a little bit, we're ready to like near style our lines or style them again. Our goal is to not have bad lines, not not swim, because we want to be responsible out there. We all want to have fun, but also go home. So the next thing is when, when you style a run, once you have it dialed, that's when you want to try new lines, try new things out, like push your limits, but make sure when you're doing that, you have some sort of safety net for yourself. You know, the people are around you, they can take care of you. So, um, and that's my little soapbox for the day. Let's get to some questions and we'll close the show up. Blair, I own a dry suit and use it when conditions warrant it, but sometimes I wish I had other options. What combinations of garments would you recommend? Oh, Blair, sweet question. A wetsuit. Wetsuits are awesome. I use wetsuits a lot. And so for when, you know, I would say like spring conditions on a sunny day, a wetsuit's great. Wetsuit and a nice paddle jacket. I wish I had my stuff with me here. Uh, there's some really sweet stuff that I have in terms of paddle jackets and wetsuits. But there's one thing I really like. Let's go back. Uh, we're gonna go to NRS. NRS makes like ten good things. There's ten things they make that are like they're good. And there's uh, let's see, neo neoprene pants. Oh, are they on closeout? What? Wonder why. Uh, let's go. So NRS, I have them. They're like maybe they're like two mil pants. Let's go see if we can find men's. Oh, Hydra skin. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This. Oh, it's on closeout too. What's going on? NRS. Okay, you make ten great things, and one of them is on closeout. Like you're gonna get rid of it. This is a half a mil pant. I could have sworn it had a thicker pant. But like for those days when you need full body coverage, right? The, the issue, the reason we, the big reason we wear wetsuits and, and dry suits are to handle the initial shock 
when we fall out into cold water, right? You're not, you, you're probably wearing a dry suit to be more comfortable. Great. That's, that's a comfort thing. But safety wise, when your skin has a quick shock to cold water, there's different things going to happen that can cause like a serious medical problem and a fatality, for example. So you want to cover your body up. So when you fall on water, those things don't happen. These pants are a great way to do that. So like these pants with like a nice dry top or like a, or like a nice fleece and a paddling jacket are sweet. They're a way to go or just a full on wetsuit. Um, but I'm really digging these pants and hopefully they, you know, hopefully they're on sale and just for fun, but they're going to keep making them. And I wish they had like a, I feel like they used to have like a one mil or a two mil. You want thicker than that. Yeah. See how that's a 1.5. I think there were some 1.5 pants. Is NRS done making this stuff? Come on, guys. You guys make. Let's go to Splashwear and see what we got. And Splash Pants are great, too. You know, like you can handle Splash Pants are great for that. But something, if you don't want to wear a full dry suit, it's too hot for it. Having, like, something for when you fall out stops that initial shock. But also, if you swam for half a mile, like, will keep you warm. So, like, some Splash Pants with some nice fleece would do a pretty good job. Paddling jackets are great. I have several good paddling jackets. Here, this one looks awesome. But if I'm going to get a, a paddling jacket, I'd probably get a Coquitat or an Immersion Research. Man, I hope they don't stop making the... Let's go to um, Wetsuit, see what they have. Palmer Johns, Palmer Johns. So, I mean, there's the Igniter pants again. Igniter Wetsuit. A, a good 3 mil wetsuit is hard to beat. Right? Get just a three mil wetsuit if it's really hot up top i unzip mine and like have it in my waist probably shouldn't do that it's probably not good form because it'd be harder to swim with that but if you just want the pants you can unzip it but a good three mil wetsuit and paddle jacket or those pants are pretty sweet so hopefully that answered that question let's move on our wand video our wind videos i'm guessing that's good to hear sean yeah i mean it's fun to take video out there that's for sure Wind, yeah. Has this phenomenon always been a problem? Is it getting worse over time? I think Howard's talking about uh, people who are being beaters, like going out there and not styling the lines. Right, Howard? That's what you're talking about. Has it always been the problem that people have gone out there and been beaters? I think it's getting worse. I think it's oh, it hasn't been a problem before, but I feel like this article was written in 2012. It was certainly a problem then. It's certainly a problem now. And I think it needs to be, I think it needs to be said. We should be styling our lines. We should have good style out there. We should be looking good. If we're going on a run and we're doing have good style, we need to back up a notch. Like just surviving a run, just entering a rapid and finishing it isn't enough. And I think when I got into boating, people were were not being beaters that much. In the 90s, you know, people took pride in having a good line. And I feel like we should be too. And like, you know, if somebody has a bad line, you'd be like, hey, don't let it get you down. You know, give it per armor and a shoulder, like, hey, you got this. But some people need to be told, like, no, 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 you didn't do that well today. You shouldn't be doing that. So, like, if if he lets people down, you definitely don't support them. But if somebody gets down a run and, and you know, then they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to now go do this harder run. And you'd be like, hey, dude, you didn't do that well. To, you need to style that run multiple times with multiple lines before you're ready to go do this next thing uh, you want to do. Okay. Sean, 
Yeah, you need to learn from them for sure. But I, 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 bad lines happen. They do happen. They do happen. But we really should be striving to minimize that. We should out there be out there having good lines. And especially as things get more and more difficult, like a bad line on the middle white salmon is generally not a big deal. You take a swim, you're probably going to be fine. But as you go do harder, harder, harder runs, uh, not styling rapids have dire, dire consequences, the worst consequences. Uh, wetsuits are great with wind protection. Strong wind cuts. Yeah, I mean, if it's windy, if it's windy, you know. You know, if it's going to be windy, I'll put paddling pants over the top of a wetsuit. But it depend, depends how cold it is. What is the other IK brand you discussed? Not the main brands. Man, I have no idea, Sean. Did I, I've, man, when, when I discuss it, did I bring it up? Did somebody else bring it up? I have, I have no idea. Yeah, Blair, hopefully I helped. I, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan. I've been on a lot of trips recently where I'll wear, a, like every, all the guys will have dry suits and I'll wear a wetsuit and a padding jacket. And, um, it's in, in the temper, you know, I'm, I'm a tiny bit chilly and they're a bit warm, you know, and, and the thing about wetsuits are nice as they're durable. If you put a hole in a dry suit, it's almost unsafe. You know, you're not in your wetsuit. You're not worried about like sitting on rocks and, you know, the, and if you overheat, it's really easy to cool down and just jump in. But I, so I've been doing wetsuits a lot. We were on a, I was on a trip last spring where we had to do a rescue and that morning, I was like, ah, it's on the borderline of wetsuit and dry suit. I don't know what to do. And I wore a dry suit. And during the rescue, we were all on shore. The whole rescue was on shore. Nobody had to get in the water. You know, in, rarely in rescues are people getting in the water. It does happen. But, man, people are taking their PFDs off and unzipping their dry suits during this rescue when we really shouldn't have been doing that. Like, you know, if we're doing a rescue, we need to be in our PPE. And so um, it was a reminder that, Maybe a wetsuit's better for a lot of rescues because you won't overheat running up and down. You need know, somebody to hike up the trail. It was they could probably take their dry suit off for that, of course, to find the the evacuation point. Uh, we were we were managing a patient. Uh, then there was some river element that had to pull a boat out of a sieve, and so uh, I think you know in those in between temperatures, a wetsuit can be nice. But what I was getting at was I bought those NRS pants. And they're not as thick. They're like one or maybe half a mil, but oh, they're really nice. Like they're really comfortable. They're pretty warm. You know, I'm not going to wear those half a millimeter pants on a really cold weather trip, but there's those in-between trips where I don't want to wear a dry suit or even a wetsuit. Those pants are just really nice. Or even if it's a six day trip, maybe I wear the wetsuit on the hardest rapid days. And on the easier days when it warms up, I'll put the pants on. Um, Zach, I don't think people scout enough. It's probably true. I think I, I mean, I, I just, for me, Zach, I just, I have things that make me scout. Like if I can't, you know, from river level, see the whole rapid, if it's a new rapid to me and I can't see in those horizon lines, or I think there might be wood somewhere. It's just, I scout like I, Yeah. I have a certain thing that makes me scout. No matter what anybody else is doing, I'm like, cool, you guys go. I'm going to scout. Um, and I think, but it's really hard to put into words when people should and shouldn't scout. And I think if I was going to try, it would be if you don't, if there's horizon lines you can't see or it goes around the corner 
and you can't see the next eddy you're going to catch or the next place you're going to stop, that's when you scout. I think, oh, a good one. So, like, if there's pieces of a rapid you can't see, like it goes over a drop and you just, like, there could be wood down there, there could be anything, scout. If it goes over around a corner or something and you can't see what's around the corner, yeah, scout. Because it could be a river-wide wood around there. If it's, I would say, like, a, a level... If you're at your ability level, like you're a class four boater and it's a class four rapid and you've never seen it, you should scout. If you're a class five boater and it's a known class, like it's a class four, you know it's clear because somebody ran it yesterday, nobody said anything. A class five boater shouldn't need to scout a class four. A class four boater, if they've run this same rapid over and over and over, probably don't need to scout it. But a class four boater seeing a class four rapid for the first time should probably scout it. Unless somebody in with them is like, hey, I know the line. I tr- I know you have the ability to do it. Here's some beta, follow me. Then that, that would make sense. So, yeah. And that's it. But that, I kind of went on a little little uh, aside there, but hopefully that added to the conversation, Zach. And if you have things to add, please do about when people would scout. Read anything we're doing if you need any motivation to wear your wetsuit, dry suit. Yeah, I've never read that, I don't think. But yeah, I mean, read American Whitewater Accident Database if you want motivation. I mean, almost, you know, the biggest factor uh, involved in fatalities is flush drowning, which we don't know what caused the flush drowning, but we're pretty confident a lot of that was um, cold water immersion. You know, cold water, people underestimate cold water immersion. Thanks for all the time. Yeah, thanks, Blair. Thanks for saying something. Yeah, you too. You have everybody. And on that note, this is the end of the show for today, unless some magic question comes up in the next few minutes. Uh-oh, Sean has one. Uh, but before, I'm going to get off in a second. I probably won't be doing a show next week, uh, so it'll be the week after that for the next live show. Uh, but I, I do want to wish everybody a happy new year. We're, it's another year of boating season. Is re, you know, It's boating season now here in, in Oregon, but like, the main boating season is coming up. Everybody's going to begin applying for permits soon and planning summer trips and doing spring trips. And the days are getting longer. You know, we passed the solstice. So it kind of feels like we're getting through the holidays and we're kind of getting into the, the, the bulk of the season. So I'm, I'm super excited. How do people learn to read and run? Reps. I mean, you do it a lot. I think, I think we're in an era. And Howard, if you're still there, I'd love to hear your thoughts, because Howard's been around a long time. Or anybody else, I think we're an era of boating where people are just doing laps. You know, here in Hood River, where I live, people are doing the farmlands, the truss. If you're really good, the Little White, the Wind, the West Fork, the Can- Canyon Creek, and people are just laps. It's like I'm gonna go for a run around my neighborhood. Like I'm going to go do a Canyon Creek. I'm going to go for a mountain bike ride. I'm going to go do a, a West Fork. And I don't think kayakers are really exploring anymore like they used to, like are going to do eccentric runs like they used to. And so I think you learn how to read and run by reading and running. Like the, I don't know if there's, I, if I could do a video on how to read and run, I, I would, but you got to just go run rivers and you start getting experience and you start seeing things. You like look down. And you're like, oh, this feels familiar. I see there's probably a port over there. I see there's something over here. This kind of you you just feel it. 
And so, and you can match your abilities to what you see, right? Even if you see where to go, if you don't have the ability, you can't do the thing, right? And so you have to be able to be, a, to be able to see the line, see where to go and execute that line. And the problem with reading and running is if you mess up your line, you could, if you're lead boat, there's no safety for you. You're, you're the first boat down. And so the person reading and running has to be able to, 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 you know, read the water and do the thing with high level of ability. There's no beaters there. So, I mean, just practice, but you don't get practice reading and running doing the same five runs over and over and over and over and over. Um, for me, like my boating, I, I love seeing a river for the first time. My favorite part of boating is, is, is reading and running or just like, or scouting and running. But like my favorite part is like figuring a rapid out. That's like why I love this. And so um, I got to go to do that. I got to go find new rivers to do. I'm always like trying to go somewhere new to do that. But I, I need practice laps too. The wind is great for me because I'm just getting my practice laps. I'm getting tuned in for the season. You definitely want to get, you know, practice, 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 and then go apply that somewhere else. Hopefully that answers your question. Thanks, Aldor. Yeah, happy new year to you. Thanks for being involved. Thanks for, for uh, making the comment. It's a lifelong, yeah, Jay, right? It's just the more rapids you see, the more little tidbits you learn, the better you get at it. And it's hard, you know, if you're in a group of five people, it's usually only the lead boat that's reading and running. So, you know, not everybody gets to, you know, practice their reading and running. You know, it's it's a pretty rare thing. So, but yeah, it's it's lifelong educational challenge and it's fun. It's just really interesting to me. So that's it for today, everyone. Thanks for watching. We'll be back on in two weeks. And yeah, I'll see you all in the next episode.